everyone. This is Chris and Sandy Benton from the Chris and Sandy Show, where we get up close and personal with some amazing guests. And today, like any other show, we have an amazing guest for you, Jeff Coffey, who was a member of Chicago, if you remember, um, back then. But we love how he's trying to make a solo career, and we really believe that he's got something that's going to be really great down the road. Jeff, are you here? Yes, I am. How you doing? I'm doing great. And yourself? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, just, um, uh, you know, living this, uh, living through this quarantine like everyone else, right? Crazy, crazy times right now, ain't it? It is. Yes. yes. It is. I guess that's. I guess that's one good thing is even though you can't go out there and do concerts per se, you can still do internet concerts and do interviews and stuff like that. So the show must still go on. <laughs> Well, that's right, you know, and and um, and I've done I've done a handful of the live shows, uh, mm-hmm. and I've done a lot of Facebook mm-hmm. lives, and um, but now you, you're seeing you're seeing you know a lot of artists doing it more and more now because they just simply can't go out and play, you know. So it's you know it's it's kind of good for them, and it's kind of good for the for the fans of those artists as well too. So they get they still get to to see their their favorite artists, you know, sing and play songs, whether it's in. <laughs> You know, like Keith Urban did one in his warehouse uh, like a week mm-hmm. or so ago, and uh, oh, you know, Michael McDonald was doing it from his house, and you know, so it, yeah. it's cool mm-hmm. in that respect. You know, I mean, and, and we're seeing a lot. You know, again, we don't want the crisis to happen, but Sandy and I are seeing a lot. When you drive through like neighborhoods, you're seeing families mm-hmm. playing together, kids in yards playing. You're actually seeing things that I didn't think I would see in my lifetime again. <laughs> yeah, you know, you bring up a good point. You know, this is really this is it it's an extremely unfortunate set of circumstances that we're in, but it you know, self-quarantining yourself like this or whether it's mandatory or not, it is. It's going to bring back some of those old school values that, you know, we we all live such crazy busy lives, we're always on the run and you know, in, in that respect, there might be some good that comes out of it, you know. Yeah, yeah. It definitely looks like that. Hopefully, when all this is over, and hopefully it'll be, you know, because I'm figuring 60 to 90 days is probably my thought process. Hopefully, when it is all said and done, the people won't forget these times right now. Yes, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. So as we get started, um, before we really get into the music side and your story a little bit, tell us a little bit about who you are. and what you like to do for hobbies outside of music, and just a little bit of brief overview of you. Well, I'm a Virgo, and I have blonde hair, blue eyes, and um, <laughs> I like I like romantic movies. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, so, no, well, I mean, I'm just um, you know, I'm a happy-go-lucky guy. You know, I I uh, I, I um, I'm a, I'm the kind of guy who found out early on that um, music is what did it for me, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I grew up in a small town in, in Florida called Eustis, Florida, and it was a great, you know, small town place to grow up, you know. Um, uh, you know, we played sports when we were kids, and, and uh, I, I have a lot of fond memories of, of growing up there and and feeling very safe back in those days, and you know we, you know we went to bed with our with our doors unlocked, and you know it was just a different time, you know. And, um, yeah. But I, mm-hmm. I found out early on that music music was my calling, and uh, I've yeah. had I've I've had the chance to do some pretty cool things in in my in my uh, you know 
my professional career. So, mm-hmm. and that was what lead me right into my next question is. When you look back on your life right now, what are some moments where you're like, wow, I got to do that? I, of course, I know many of them already because I've read your bio and stuff. But what are some right. moments where you're like, wow, um, this was awesome? Yeah, well, there's there's several different ones. You know, I think one thing that may or may not be in the bio, but one, one, one thing that was kind of a turning point for me when I was younger, when I was in high school, mm-hmm. um, our our high school marching band got invited by Disney World because you know we all we live mm-hmm. right here in Disneyland mm-hmm. Disney World here, and we got the opportunity to be involved in a the big um, Super Bowl eighteen halftime show. It was a Disney presentation, <laughs> and they they invited a lot of Florida marching bands to be a part of the show, and mm-hmm. that experience changed my life. It was like wow, oh, wow. you know eighty. 80,000 people in the stadium and I knew millions were watching and we, and you know, we just did a little marching routine, you know, with the Disney presentation, but that spectacle <laughs> changed my life, uh, really got me started <laughs> with music and, and, um, you know, but then, uh, I've had the great opportunity to play with a lot of great artists too. You know, I, I got to play with Brian Howell from Bad Company, the singer oh, wow. from Bad Company. Uh, he's still got an amazing voice, and uh, um, uh, and then my my time with Chicago was amazing. I got to play some pretty amazing bucket list venues. You know, we did uh, my my short time when I was there. I we did um, in in twenty in June of uh, no, it was Fourth of July weekend of twenty sixteen. We played the Hollywood Bowl three nights sold out mm-hmm. with the uh, Philharmonic Orchestra wow. there. And, uh, played Red Rocks. We played arenas. We played, you know, we toured with Earth, Wind, and Fire, and the Doobie Brothers. And there are some pretty amazing uh, experiences there that I'll never forget. <laughs> I'm, I'm and now, now I get, never I talk the, about. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Say again. I said, I'm sure some that you would never talk about experience. <laughs> oh well, <laughs> sure. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but. Um, uh, you know, now I get the great pleasure to to play with one of the greatest guitar players in, in rock music history, uh, Don Felder. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, that's wow. that's a oh, joy yeah. to to be able to play that great Eagles music with him. So, uh, you know, and, and meet a How lot did that of. How come uh, about? Um, well, uh, three months or so after I left Chicago, which was uh, mm-hmm. which was uh, January of 2018. I got a text from Don Felder. I'm, I'm sitting in my studio working, and and I was like, wow, I just got a text from Don Felder. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he apparently had been uh, – found out about me uh, when I first got on with Chicago because when mm-hmm. I first got on, it, it was initially kind of a – uh, you know, just kind of um, filling in for Jason Chef while he was taking a little leave of absence, and then so he had always had it. He'd heard, he saw, saw some videos, and he always had it in my his mind to give me a call to see if I wanted to you know, to play with him. And then I and then I ended up joining Chicago. So uh, so then he you know, he never called. And then when I left, he uh, three months after he called me, and we we talked briefly, and. Uh, uh, I ended up playing some. Sh- I've been playing some shows with him. It's kind of a, oh, wow. you know, depending on where he is in the country, he'll have a, you know, two or three different bass players to play with him. So uh, uh, it's been a great, it's been great fun because uh, he's he's still amazing, and and the guys in his band mm-hmm. are a lot of fun. They're they're great players. So 
So in your career so far, what's the craziest thing that's happened to you that you can think of that's PG? (laughs) 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 Well, um, gosh, the craziest thing. Um, uh, Well, you know, this is kind of a funny story that I've I've told before. Um, It's kind of a strange thing. When Mm -hmm. I first got on with Chicago. Um, I knew, I knew that, uh, you know, because they, they didn't really, you know, make announcements and stuff like that. They just went out and played. And so I knew mm-hmm. that, uh, when I got on these shows, people were going to be going, well, who the heck is this guy? You know, you know cause they didn't <laughs> know someone else was going to be there, you know? Yeah. So my mm-hmm. goal was to just try and win people over, you know, one show at a time. I knew it was going to be mm-hmm. that it was going to be one show at a time. And, um, uh, you know, Jason Chef had been there for 31 years, you know, and mm-hmm. so he had a lot yeah. of longevity, a lot of fans, and rightfully so, you know, and uh, so, but there was there was this one concert, I'll never forget this, uh, this lady, I don't even know who it is, uh, mm-hmm. but she just was a diehard Jason Chef fan, and she came up, she was in the front row, and she was up there dancing, having a good time, and uh and then she, she looked at me, she looked right at me, and she just shot me the finger. <laughs> I'm like, wow, okay, that not, that's the first time that's ever happened, you know, to me on stage before. And I'm like, how do I take that? Does that mean that she's digging it or she's not digging it? I don't, I don't really. You're number one, right? I, you could go either way, you know. So, wow. you know, I was like, I just took that in. I go, okay, well, that's that's the first time. For that. You know, I'm, I'm just going to keep playing here and uh, – you know, a few songs later, she's up there dancing, and she looks at me right again, and she flicks me off again. And I was like, wow, that's <laughs> twice in one show. And, um, <laughs> and then I was like, okay, well, she's not, not really happy with this, I guess. And uh, and then she, uh, she did it um, for a third time, <laughs> and then she wow. walked out and never saw her again. So, uh, uh that took you know that has to be one of the craziest things that's ever happened to me during a show i you know that was oh, wow. something uh, it was kind that's of funny crazy. i was telling the guys yeah, we saw that lady you know on the bus after the show we're like what was she doing mm-hmm. i said yes <laughs> that was pretty <laughs> funny so <laughs> so what but, is um, touring like touring with the guys um, <clears throat> well I've done well. I've done you know all different kinds. I've been on the road for a lot of years. Um, uh, you know, I've, I was in bands um, back in the '90s. Um, uh, had was in a couple of different bands, and we hit the road pretty hard. You know, we we were out for you know back in our younger days in, in the '90s, we were out we were out for two months at a time, pretty solid. You know, this is before cell phones. You know, and um, uh, that was hard. You know, because we did the, the rock circuit. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, you know you you rang up a three hundred three hundred fifty dollar phone bill with with those phone cards yep. that they had back then and, and phone booths yeah. at, in Kalamazoo, Michigan at three in the morning when it's snowing and it's you know uh, saying sorry you know I got you know we got another month out you know that kind of thing but it I tell you in the early days it really taught me the essentials of how to do a show how to get mm-hmm. to some place from point A mm-hmm. to point B set up do a show. And break tear it down and go to the next place and do it again on on a re- regular consistent basis. It really taught me that mm-hmm. um, some invaluable lessons. Um, 
And then, then there were other artists that I've played with where it's been kind of weekend warrior thing. You know, you go out for, mm-hmm. you know, uh, three or four days on the weekend and come back, you know, which is, um, which is a lot of how, uh, you know, artists do it in Nashville, you know, you know, yeah. they'll go out, um, you know, they'll leave Wednesday or Thursday, be back Sunday kind of thing. Um, with Chicago, it was, uh, their, their tour schedule is pretty intense. I mean, it's, it's anywhere <laughs> from, you know, a hundred and, 130 to 140 shows a year or something like that. Wow. So that's pretty consistent touring. Um, and they would pack them in, you know, we would do four to five shows a week. Um, mm-hmm. So that was very consistent touring, but I will, I will have to say they, they make it very comfortable for you. You know, the, the travel accommodations and everything, they make it easy for you. Uh, mm-hmm. Tell you one thing for me uh, as, as a, a tenor vocalist, not having to do a sound check was was fantastic because that gave me extra sleep, you know. Because I I need sleep, you know. And, uh, it'd be tough to do that many shows if you had to be at the venue at uh, one mm-hmm. o'clock, two o'clock in the afternoon for a sound check, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, I tell you what, it's a it's a a well oiled machine, and uh, there are there are so many aspects of touring that are a blast. You know what I mean? Uh, it's the camaraderie of the guys when you're out there and the experience that you, experiences that you have. Uh, yeah. One thing that made it a lot of fun for for me and for us when when I was out with Chicago was the fun that we had on our bus. You know, oh, there wow. were two buses out when we were traveling, and we would call ourselves Bus Number Two, and <laughs> we did uh, we had a blast, and we ended up sharing a lot of those memories, a lot of those experiences on Facebook. We had a Facebook page. And, and uh, you know, bus number two shenanigans, mm. and it was a lot of fun. We we would, <laughs> we, we we it was it was such a fun time because we had so much fun on the bus. You know, after shows, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you'd have dinner on the bus, and then you'd talk music, you'd talk concerts, you'd talk the show that you did that night, you'd talk mm-hmm. musicians. You know, it was just a a fun time. And wow. it got to the point where sometimes we'd be on stage going, man, I can't wait. I can't wait till the bus ride tonight. <laughs> <laughs> you made the bus so fun that you didn't want to leave the bus. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It was, it was fun. Those guys were, those guys uh, on, were a lot of fun. On, I mean, the guys on my bus were a lot of fun to hang out with. So. And, and you know, a lot of people were, told us when they're touring that that's one of the toughest parts. So it's great that people can make it fun because without that, it would probably be really tough. It would be, you know, you have to make it fun because you're you're on a circus tour, you know, and mm-hmm. you're away from the your loved ones, you know, and yeah. that's the hard part. That's mm-hmm. the hard part is being away from your loved ones. If you uh, if you have a tight bond with your family, that's mm-hmm. a tough thing to be gone all the time like that. Yeah, and and, and so t- making it fun uh, gets you through it, you know. And, and you know you're leading right into my next part perfectly. I love I love it when this happens. Cause my next right. part is always I always like to flip. When we get to this part, I like to flip the script. We always we talk about the great, great, great. Um, I'll show you where I'm going. I, I interviewed Allison Steele from Two Steel Girls back in 2014. We did, and one of the questions I asked her was, um, "What advice would you give the up and coming person?" And her, her answer was, she goes, this is going to sound funny coming from someone who's full-time in this. She goes, but if your heart will allow you to do anything else outside of music, go do that and just keep this as a hobby. And then she went on to explain. She goes, the sacrifices we have to make on the body, our minds, our spirits, 
Um, our, our families all have to sacrifice. There's uh, so much rejection. If we get on stage, someone died that day, we can't show that. We have to wear a mask. There's so many different masks we've got to wear. Uh, she goes, but if your heart won't allow you to do anything else, then go all in because that's the only way you'll go full time with this. And that's where I want to go here now. Tell us about yeah. some of what she just said, you know, the sacrifices, the rejection, the just the struggles behind all this right now. Well, you know, she could not have said that any more perfectly. Um, you know, it, it really is true um, because I, I tell people this all the time. The thing that I love to do the most takes me away from the people that I love the most, you know, and that's the rub. That's the hard part. Um, mm-hmm. And she's very, she's very correct in, in saying, you know, if you, it, 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 it takes some soul searching, you know, and I did yeah. that in my career. I, you know, uh, a handful of years ago, before I got the Chicago gig, I got so burnt out on music and trying mm-hmm. to make it and trying to do oh, it. Oh, wow. I got so burnt um, that I packed up my guitars. They were collecting dust, and I just – I didn't sing a note, didn't play a note for about three and a half years or so. Uh, and I didn't – I didn't listen to music. I didn't want to talk mm-hmm. about music. I didn't listen to the radio. I, oh, just, wow. I was just burnt, you know, and and then during that time, you know, I did something else, you know, and but I did some soul searching, you know, and mm-hmm. what happened was I ended up just realizing that there was a gaping hole in my soul without music. Hmm. Um, it's, it's, all, it's always been who I am, who I was, and how mm-hmm. I identified myself as a musician, you know, and I came to, re- to the realization um you know, we went to a couple of shows. We went to uh, to see my good friend uh, Jack Sizemore, who was in some of those early bands with me, who now plays guitar with Jason Aldean. He's been with him from, from day one. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, we saw him. Hadn't seen him in a while at that point. And then we went to a Keith Urban show. I'm a big Keith Urban fan. And oh, uh, my, wife, awesome. my wife is looking at me during the show, and she's like, She's like, you're wanting to play again, aren't you? And I looked at her and I said, <laughs> I, I said, yeah, I am. You know, I said because oh, well. you know it's just uh, this is what you. I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she knows me. She met me when I was a musician. You know, and we spent a lot of time apart when I was on the road in the early days. It's different when mm-hmm. you have children. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a little easier yeah. when you don't have children. You know, because all you got to do is take care of yourself. But, mm-hmm. but. Uh, Mm-hmm. You know, I I looked at her and I said, yeah, I, this is just what I do. And I came to the realization that I'm going to figure out how to make this work and make a living mm-hmm. at this because I have to do it. And if you talk to any yeah. professional who's been doing it professionally for a long time, they'll tell you jokingly that they do it because they have to do it because they would go yeah. absolutely crazy if they weren't doing it. And it would oh, it would wow. be uh, a miserable existence if they weren't doing it. So they figure out how to make the sacrifices work and how to do it, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, that's what I did, you know? I, I went back into it all in, and I started going. I, I told my wife, I said, you know, I got to – I was primarily, you know, here in Florida and, and playing, you know, different places in Florida. And I just uh, – mm-hmm. I said, you know, I, if I'm going to do this, I got to go all in. I got to go where – yeah, it's happening. Exactly. So I started going back up to Nashville and immersing myself mm-hmm. in, the, in the scene there, and 
uh, reconnected with an old old friend of mine who who is also an old bandmate of mine, uh, Tom Hurst, mm-hmm. drummer in town. Oh wow! Plays with Tracy Lawrence, and he was doing these great things called loud jams and the Nashville drummer jams. Mm-hmm. And he got me involved in that. First time I came back yeah. up there, oh, wow. and played was during the first, one of the first uh, drummer jams. They were they would they would take a, a famous uh, drummer in, in honor of that drummer, and this one was Stuart Copeland. So it was an evening of st- uh, police music. Like, mm-hmm. Hey, sign me up. That's I'm all about that, you know. And so it was a great opportunity for me to to reconnect with some musicians that I hadn't seen in a long time and meet a ton oh, wow. of new ones. And all these guys mm-hmm. had touring gigs, you know. All these guys were doing it. Uh-huh. And you know, I just immersed myself in that scene in Nashville, and uh, it paid off because oh, that's wow. eventually how I got <laughs> the call for Chicago. Oh wow! But yeah, it's yeah. true. Going back to what her statement, excuse me, what she said, it it you really have to make that decision for yourself at some point. And mm-hmm. I know a lot of musicians yeah. who have made that decision. Mm-hmm. They they said, you know what, I, this is the not this full time thing is not for me. I'm going to do this as a hobby, and and it works out great for some exactly. people like like myself. You have to do it. I have to do it. So yeah. I got you got to make figure out how you can make the sacrifices work. I've got for you a and story for you on that. <clears throat> you know, I've got a I've got a story for you kind of on that. Well, we are. Um, we launched New Country Buzz back in, uh, and it goes right into what you were just saying, back in the 2014. And for personal reasons, we shut it down in 2015. But before mm-hmm. we shut it down, we got to interview Kelsey Ballerini, which was pretty cool, knowing where she is now. Um, <clears throat> but there was always it was like when we shut it down. I I was I, I tried to push this away from me so much that I even let go mm-hmm. of the domain, New Country Buzz. We didn't even I just, but every six months I'd go to GoDaddy, see if anybody bought it. Nope, still ain't bought. <laughs> and then six months later, nope, still ain't bought. Six months later, nope, still ain't. So end of 2018, October 2018, I told Sandy, I I feel like we need to finish what we started. I was like, it's eating me alive. I got, I got to do this. And mm-hmm. she understood because she's a hardcore music fan. She loves country music. Oh, yeah. She loves pop, rock, mm-hmm. all that. Hardcore mm-hmm. fans. All so she it. was all on board yeah. because she loved the idea of us doing this again. And, but but it, was, it was just one of them. And she kind of brainwashed me into all this music stuff, to be honest with you. When we first married 15 <laughs> years ago, I liked mm-hmm. music, but I wasn't in love with music. I mean, I was in love with all the motivational audios and all that and and i i was one of them that believed if you were in your car you need to be learning with your mind not with music i was one of those types i mean i was way off she was the other end so we get married and we both realized something's got to give <laughs> and uh-huh. so we made a deal we listened 50 percent audio and 50 percent music we both was like okay but we can both handle that yeah and we and I still love audios. I, I still believe in all that. But I tell you what, I realize now the power of music. There's nothing that moves people more than music. And so she kind of pushed me on all this. So when when I said we need to relaunch, you know, in 2018, I'm like, and, and I'm like, well, you you kind of got me all in this anyway. <laughs> the whole music thing. <laughs> so, but I was like, yeah. wait, but it's it's like in my soul where I feel like I because you know I, I, there's a lot of people do what we do where we they interview people and all that and I and I always hear them say tell people I think post on Facebook that you know if I never make a dime it don't matter I'm doing what I love to do and I that's not me 
I'm, yes, yeah. I'll still keep doing this, but this is a career for us. We don't want to be um, the keep putting money into something that never makes money. <laughs> we, right. you know, this, this is what we want to do with the rest of our life. We want to be the, the Bobby mm-hmm. Bones or the Ty Bentley type shows, but as a married couple. <laughs> right. Yes. So we're all in on this. So we totally get how artists, when they, you know, when they're trying to build their careers and don't know where the next dollar comes from, we totally – see, that's why I think we, we're really good at what we do because, you know what, when they tell their story on, on the financial side, we get it. We're with them, <laughs> right. so to speak. Right, right. You know? mm-hmm. so, yeah. so as we go deeper into this, tell us some of the stories that maybe you had to scrimp by. That where, where, tell us a story that, where you got to the point – because, again, we all get to this point. I've been here even on this multiple times to where you're like, you know what? I just don't know if I can do this anymore. But then what changed? What, what, what clicked? And, of course, you told us the other story. We know that was part of it. But I'm sure there were other times where you're like, I just don't know when it, because of so much struggles. Yeah, well, like you say, you know, uh, a lot of people don't realize the struggles and the sacrifices uh, you know, pe- people don't realize how much energy, blood, sweat, and tears, mm-hmm. and money, and time goes into not only writing a song, but recording a song, mm-hmm. and putting on a record, and putting it out, and going out and playing shows. Yet they want the music for free, you know? Um, that's a whole mm-hmm. other conversation. But I mean, I always <laughs> equated it to, to the bread maker. You know, the bread, mm-hmm. bread maker gets up early in the morning. And makes all these various types of yummy breads and puts them out on display, opens up a door, says, all right, come on in, get your free bread. You know, <laughs> people don't realize uh, everything that goes into mm-hmm. making music, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But for me, yeah, for me, going back to your, uh, your question there, uh, there was a point that happened for me to where I got frustrated with that whole thing. I got, I, you know. I, I, you know, put so much energy into writing and recording and doing. I put out a couple solo records and I pl- had a band mm-hmm. and played. And I, I just got to the point to where uh, you were like, you know what? Who cares if I write another song? Who cares? Who cares mm-hmm. if I don't write another song? You know why? Mm-hmm. If nobody else cares, then why should I care? And I just got fed up with just the the pushing and and. Mm-hmm. and the pushback and just it's it's just it, it weighs on you. It's taxing, you know, because yeah. uh, it's not easy to do, you know. And you know, uh, and then I was you know just fed up with some of the stuff I was hearing on the radio, and it's like, why is that on mm-hmm. the radio? Of course, that's a very selfish <laughs> thing, anyway. So, <laughs> so that's what that's what kind of pushed me to to just stop um, and try mm-hmm. something different because I thought, yeah, you know what. Maybe maybe mm-hmm. this isn't going to work out for me. Let me just try something else, which I did. And mm-hmm. I had, I had actually had an invention that I brought to market and did that. But but during that three and a half four years, uh, it was um, that's when I realized that you know what. Uh, at, at some point, you have to really realize what it is that you do best, and figure yeah. out how to make a living at it, because that's the only way. You're going to be the best at what you, what you can do, and it's mm-hmm. the only way that you're going to be truly happy. You know, right? Amen. You know, I told I, I used to joke with Sandy through the years because there'd be many times we'd be walking up, up 
and a stranger would happen to, to walk in, and we did, and me and that person would be in the con- don't even know them. We'd be in a conversation mm-hmm. for an hour, and and of course she'd roll her eyes oh, a yes, lot of times, like we gotta go, you know. And, and, but <laughs> and, and I used to joke, with, <laughs> and I'm like used uh-huh. to joke with her. I was like, if I could ever get paid to talk, we'd be rich. <laughs> that's true (laughs) and it was funny when we launched the Chris and Sandy show I told her with my love of talking and your love of music oh we're going to kill this (laughs) (laughs) with that that attitude you know know, the sky's the limit you know but you're right I mean like how 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 boring would life be without music music can bring people to tears you know I mean, mm-hmm. how how yeah, Star Wars wouldn't be Star Wars without that amazing soundtrack, right? Yep, that's right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and I get so frustrated when you see on Facebook people post for like these up and coming artists. They should just get a real job. And I don't say this, but I'm thinking, that, that, don't tell an artist they need to get a real job. They got something better. They got something to live mm-hmm. for. And um, right. a real, you know, again, nothing wrong with paying your bills, keep it, whatever. That that's fine. Mm-hmm. I I totally get that. But don't say give up on that dream, that vision that yeah. you have. If you you know, because that that's one of the you know, I've had to explain to a lot of parents in the past. I, I've I've sat down with friends that are like doctors and attorneys, <laughs> who's got all the schooling. They they did the corporate route. They they got the schooling. They're doing this. They're 15 years in their career, and you sit down with them. And so, I'm not all of them, but some of them are like, "I'm miserable." I'm like, what do you mean you're miserable? You you've got this big career. You've been there 15 years. You've got this big home. You 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 got a six figure income or whatever coming in. How are you miserable? And they say, like, "This is not what I wanted to do." I'm like, "What do you mean it's not what you want to do?" Oh, my parents pushed me this way. Yeah. So now they're miserable with their life. They're like, they're like, this is really what I wanted to do, but now I'm so deep this way, I can't go that way. Like, and, I, and I always try to correct them. Actually, you can. You just got to find yeah. a way to do it. Because <laughs> you'll never be happy mm-hmm. until you find that thing that God placed in your heart. When you and you know when, when there's yeah. when there's some burning desire that's there, you just cannot not do it. Right. Well, there are many things that can make you happy. Money is not one of them. So, <laughs> yep. That money will make you miserable <laughs> right. if you're not careful. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> so as we move into the next segment, we're we're gonna play the New York Minute song. I really, and we'll discuss how that all came about. I really think that that this song, and we'll take we'll take a small break and then play the song. But I really mm-hmm. think that this song is perfect for what we're going through right now, and we'll talk about that in a minute. So, so we'll take a small break. Yeah. And then we'll be back. How's that? All right. Sounds good. Hey, everyone. We have partnered with another great podcast called the Sports Guys Podcast. You can find them over at thesportsguyspodcast.com. The Sports Guys Podcast is a sports and country music podcast hosted by Brandon, Nick, and Andy. They cover sports on a state, regional, and national level with many of the biggest names in the sports industry. The Sports Guys also host a Backstage Pass music segment where they go behind the scenes and talk with some of the biggest artists in country music, everything from Texas country, Americana, as well as Nashville artists. 
The Backstage Pass provides a more in-depth look at the musicians' rise in music as they talk about their career and tell stories about their music to share with their fans. Many of the same guests will be appearing on our show as well. Again, you can find them over at thesportsguyspodcast.com. It's a grand slam of sports and music. Please go over and check them out.
the heart makes very clear. You knew the days were so much brighter in the time when she was here. I know there's somebody somewhere makes these dark clouds disappear. But until that day, I have to believe, I believe. We just love that song. Oh, yes. That's one of my favorite songs ever. Love it. It's a it's a beautiful song, beautifully written song about a really dark subject, you know, and uh, yes. so it was fun to do. So what made y'all go there with that song? I mean, what was the thought well, process um, behind picking that one? Well, the, the, the whole concept <clears throat> behind this new record, Origins, was to – to basically put a collection of songs together on a record that paid tribute, paid homage to a lot of the great tenor vocalists that fired me up as a young man. Mm-hmm. And inspired yes. me to want to be a musician, to be a singer. And uh, and that's why it's called Origins, Singers, and the Songs mm-hmm. that made me. You know, it's mm-hmm. kind of going back to my origins. And right. that, uh, uh, Don Henley is definitely one of those voices that I wanted to put, you know, uh, you know pay homage to on this record. And, yeah. Um, yes. That particular song, I've always loved that song. Uh, I've always loved the production behind that song because mm-hmm. um, it's got mm-hmm. one of my favorite fretless bass lines on there. Pino Palantino played an incredible mm-hmm. fretless part on that song, and, and I've done that before in bands and stuff. But uh, we wanted, uh, you know, there are some songs in the record that we kind of stayed true to the original uh, arrangement and uh, feel of the mm-hmm. song. Then there are some songs mm-hmm. we took a completely different approach to. This is one of them. We wanted mm-hmm. to just strip all of that down and just bring it down to the meat and potatoes of the song. Piano and vocal and some yes. strings. And I really love the way it turned out. And and one of the big reason that it turned out so amazingly is that I was so privileged and honored to have the incredible Michael Lomardian play piano on this song. Oh, wow. Um, if some of uh, some of you may not be familiar with his name, he is from in, in, undoubtedly one of the most successful producers on the planet. I mean, he's produced uh, Christopher Cross, you know, the big record sailing, and he, Amy Grant, um, mm-hmm. uh, Peter Cetera, oh, wow. um, wow. um, Donna Summers, uh, Rod Stewart. The list just goes on <laughs> and on and on and on of the great artists that he has worked with and had huge success with. Um, mm-hmm. 
And he's a phenomenal piano player. Amazing. In fact, that's him on a lot of that early Steely Dan stuff. That's not Donald Fagan. It's him. And so to, to have him in the studio and, and, and we did two songs like that. We did that song and we also did, um, I can't make you love me. The Bonnie Raitt hit. We stripped it down, just piano, vocal and strings. And it turned out so good. And he's, He's so musical, and to be able to just sing with him like that in the studio mm-hmm. was was an experience that I will never forget. And and I'm I hope to get the opportunity to do it more with him. So now, what what made the connection on the um, one with Peyton Taylor? I, that Peyton Taylor is one of my favorite up and coming country artists. <laughs> Isn't oh, she yeah. great? Yeah, she, yeah, she yeah, is I, awesome. She's I love great. her song and, uh, "Dear June" because um. Yeah. I went through 19 years of addiction, and the first five years of our marriage was in them addictions, so Sandy was kind of the Dear June. <laughs> so when, yeah. when I first heard the Dear June, I was like – I was in te- I was total tears because, again, I know what I put my wife through those first five years, but that really brought yeah. that back to me. Well, see, that's the power of music, right? Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah. Well, the the we got uh, we we reached out to Peyton uh, because mm-hmm. I again one of the artists that I wanted to cover on this record was um, Brian Adams, mm-hmm. but I, oh, I yes. wanted to do I wanted to at least have one song on the record where I did a duet with someone, and uh, mm-hmm. so that's why I, I picked this particular song, um, th- which was a great track with that he and uh, Tina Turner did back in the eighties called mm-hmm. um, "It's Only Love." It's just a great, it's, oh, yes. a, it's a great song. perfect quintessential Brian Adams track, and Tina Turner just slayed it, you know. And um, so we wanted to have a female vocalist on this record, so we reached out to Peyton, and she graciously accepted the invitation and came in uh, and sang on, on, the, on the track with me, and uh, it turned out great. And actually, um, that that is going to be the next single to be released off this record. Uh, on, uh, and, and you April know what? 3rd. I got it programmed in here so that people who are yes. listening, because they're probably they're probably like, "What is it?" So I'm gonna play it uh, yeah. for everybody, sure. <laughs> and, sure. and we'll come back right afterwards. Sounds good.
a great version of that. Oh, yeah. Oh, love you. that version. Sandy, that was a lot of favorite versions. Uh, yes. <laughs> so, Absolutely. So it's yeah. Peyton fun and Peyton, Peyton, uh, Oh, yeah, she's a blast. Peyton's great, man. You know what? She's a pro. You know, she she uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, she she's uh, she's got a vision, and she's mm-hmm. doing her thing. She's got their plan. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> unfortunately, we're all kind of unable to play out right now. But she she yes. uh, she's great. I, I love her work ethic, and uh, and mm-hmm. she was great to work with. We we shot a video for the single, and mm-hmm. uh, so the single is actually going to be released um, in two two Fridays from now on on April third. Oh wow. And then, mm-hmm. and then okay. the video turned out great as well. That will be that will be released uh, a week or so after the single. So, oh wow, yeah, yeah. That's that's what's great about music. You know, even when we're in this crisis, you can still do what you love to do, <laughs> and it matters even more now. It does. Right. Well, you know, and I think I think that's a lot of reason why. Well, clearly, you see a lot of artists out there doing a lot of concerts, live concerts now on, on social media, mm-hmm. because you know the the fans still want their their live music, and um, and you can give it to them, you know, via the internet. So it it kind of works out good where people can get their music fixed, you know, live uh, because mm-hmm. of the advent of uh, the internet now. So uh, you're yep. gonna see a lot more of that, you know. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, as they say, you know, a lot of times the artist is the one who gets all the recognition. They're, they're at the forefront. Nobody really talks about the the people, the supporters behind the artist. Let's go a little bit there a little bit. Tell us a few stories of people that stood behind you, including like your wife. So tell us a few stories of people that have really believed in you um, in tough times that helped you keep going. Well, uh, you you took the words right out of my mouth there. Uh, that was going to be my first. Has been, you know, has been my number one supporter, my number one fan. It's always believed in me all the times, and um, all the sacrifices. Was part of the sacrifice. He still is part of the sacrifice. You know. Yeah. And uh, yeah. She, she, she had unwavering support. For, You're breaking for up me. a little bit. You're breaking up a little bit. Yeah. Can you hear me? Them darn cell phones. Uh. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but okay, uh, I think is it okay. There you better? go. A little yeah. better. Um, a little better. Yeah. yeah. Uh, unconditional support for what I do, and uh, mm-hmm. um, you know uh, that. That says a lot, right there, you know. And uh, like this, yeah, definitely. In my musical career, just from each other. Even working in labor years with with responsibilities in the house, and you know, as you know, I give for the lives of touring musicians because people absolutely know what they go through at home. They're doing everything by themselves. Kudos to all of the wives that have music. And in recent times, I've gotten back into music by having Jeff Shada and Jetpack, and he's also a little bit about Jetpack music label. And we've got the 
vision that we're seeing <laughs> here. And you're and breaking, you're breaking up really bad right now. Okay. Um, your, your cell phone's going like in oh. and out. Wow. And and this is the best part. This is the part that I really wanted to get to because I think a lot of people out there yeah. don't get to hear behind the artist. That's true. Uh, yeah. yeah, there's like so many people. Uh, a great um, uh, musician, really talented musician, uh, instrumentalist, produced, uh, wrecked mm-hmm. there in Nashville. He, he worked uh, very closely with the record. He, he uh, mixed the entire record. He produced, uh, co-produced the record with us, and uh, yeah, and played all of the instruments on ten of the tracks on this on this fourteen track record. Oh wow. And, uh, you're clear yeah. enough about you, all of a sudden. All of a sudden, you went clear. This is perfect. It cleared up oh, big good. time. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> so yeah, just uh, so many great people to to, to work with. So. Awesome. Yeah, because I think you know, I think that's one of the big misconceptions that people have. You know, it's like the fans see the artist as a god, but there's a team behind them. The team, they're not who they are. Oh, absolutely. And the bigger the artist becomes, the more successful, the bigger the team gets, you know? Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because it really takes a, 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 an army to, 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 to keep an artist on a certain level. <clears throat> you know? But you can't yeah. make the mistake that MC Hammer did, because from what I understand, he tried to bring his whole neighborhood into the crew yeah. and was paying everyone yeah. $100,000 a year whether they were doing anything or not, and, of course, went bankrupt yeah. in the, doing it. <laughs> sure. You can try well, to, you know, you know, you can do what you can do, but, you know, you still got to be smart. Mm-hmm. Well, you always have to you always have to know that with any career, uh, and especially in the entertainment business, it goes up and then it comes down. So you got to prepare mm-hmm. for when it goes back down, you know, and he didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah. So even though you've you've done a lot – in, in your career, is there anyone that you would love to co-write with, dead or alive? Who would it be, and what would y'all, what would you want to write about? Oh wow, wow, that's a that's yeah. Well, I mean, I have uh, there are, there are some of my heroes out there, Sting being one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and but he's a genius, you know. Uh, I would feel inadequate being in a room with him trying to write something. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's just a genius. Um, uh, mm. You know, as far as the voices out there and, and songwriting too, Steve Perry is one of my heroes. And there's mm-hmm. a journey yeah. song on this record as well. It's the track one on the record, um, Ask the Lonely, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he would be someone I would love. Um, uh, you know, um, but, you know, I've had the great privilege of writing with uh, some cool people, and, and I'm, I'm looking forward to the opportunity to doing some co-write with some great writers in Nashville. But one guy that I wrote some songs with, um, it's been, which was a great experience and I'm definitely going to do more of it. It's, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Stan Lynch, the original, uh, original Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers drummer, Stan Lynch. You know, we've written some songs together and, and he's, he's fantastic to work with. And I look forward to doing more of that as well. You've lived a really cool life through the years though. It's been fun, you know. It's been fun. Um, it, it's been and you've done it your ups way. Ups and downs, like everybody. Well, you know, you, you try, you know. That, well, that's 
that's basically where I'm at right now with my career is um, I've made the decision that the the, the thing that's going to work out best for me is to to figure out a way to make it happen and do it my way. And so that's, that's what I'm trying to build. I'm trying to build that, uh, that career for the rest of my life. And, uh, and um, so we're just full steam ahead with, uh, with, with, you know, promoting this record and in the, in the process of, of writing new songs for the next original record. And, uh, and the sky's the limit. I just can't wait for yeah. them to, for this all this Corona mess to just be yeah. past us all, and oh, I know. everyone <laughs> can stay safe and healthy, and so that we can all get out there and, and uh, uh, you know, we can go and play music for for mm-hmm. all those people again, and they can have fun. We can all have fun together again. So, amen to that. Um, yeah. We always let my son ask one question. He's eight years old. Well, our son, <laughs> I don't know if I said my son. <laughs> our son. <laughs> but, um, yes. <laughs> he, he, lo- he loves this part of it. And, um, cool. So he's going, you know, because we're a family going business, period, you know. Yes. Always yes he, uh, here's Christopher. Uh, all right. Hi, Jeff. What's your favorite food? Oh, my favorite food. Oh, wow. That's a good one. You know, let's see. Uh, can I have more than one? <laughs> I, I I love um, I love a good pizza. You know, okay. don't we all love good pizza? You know. Yeah. But I'm I'm a kind of I I love a good steak too. So those are my two favorites. I would say. <laughs> so what's yours, little Chris? What's your what's what's your pizza. favorite? Pizza. Pizza. Oh, see, we have something in common then, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> yep, he, you know he love he could eat pizza morning, lunch, and noon. Yeah, Bye. oh yeah. Bye. <laughs> he's quick. Yeah, he's always he's quick to yeah, the point. He and is off. quick to the point. <laughs> yes, every time. <laughs> <laughs> and we try to incorporate and see. We got a one-year-old daughter too, so when she we gets do. older, she'll be incorporated in all this too. Because um, mm-hmm. we want it to be a family thing, and you know, one of our ultimate goals is. By next year is to be living in Nashville. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so that's Look, kind of where we're headed. Yeah, Nashville is is exploding with its people are moving there, left and right. Oh. Yeah, it's like I think it's a hundred people a day moving there right now. Now, granted, that's yeah. might change for a little while, but at, at the peak recently, it was a hundred people a day. Yeah. Well, I can only see that continuing to increase. It's it's become the place to go. You know, that's for sure. So if you had a magic wand, and I always ask it this way because I asked the same question to Kelsey Ballerini back in 2015. In fact, February made five-year anniversary of this, and she's mm-hmm. living almost to the T when I, when I asked her this. So if you had a magic wand, where would you want to be or where would you be in five years? In five years? You mean where would I be living or what would I be doing? Just career-wise, living all that. Just you know, what what's your vision? Your five-year vision. What if you if you if you could just say, you know what, snap my finger, it's done. What would it be? What, what would your life look like? That's a great question. I I I'm what I'm working towards right now is where I hope to be in five years. And what I what I hope that looks like is me out there with a band and making a good living playing music, playing my music and interacting with the fans and whatever level that is, whether it's small theaters, if I'm lucky enough for it to be decent sized theaters, um, 
you know, anything beyond that would be, you know, icing on, on an invisible cake. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, all I want to do is to be able to get out there and, and, and have an audience mm-hmm. who wants to hear my music and that I can get out there and play my music for them and continue to make new music for the rest of my life. That's, and in, and I'm not, so I'm hoping that in five years I'll find myself on a stage in a theater someplace playing show and uh, having a good time you, with the people who want to be there and listen to the songs. And you will because, what, you know, when we first started this show, a friend of mine from Nashville, I asked because he's done these type of shows in the past. I asked him, what advice would you give us if we get started? And I remember him telling me, he says, whatever you do, just be authentic. It doesn't matter if you make mistakes. Just be authentic. He says, because if, you, if you're not authentic and you put a mask on and your show is just this – and he said, let's say that you're trying to be Bobby Bones. And so you put this mask on like you are Bobby Bones. He says, the day's going to come when that mask comes off, and you will have nothing but a fake audience who will leave you. He says, if you be authentic, the right audience will come. That's right. All you can do is be yourself, yeah, because in the, at the end, that's what people gravitate to, you know. So, yeah, you have to, you have to do your own thing and, and figure out how to make it work, you know. Yeah. So because you've had a long career now, if you had, let's say you had a friend who was just starting out in music, and let's say that they played maybe five to ten shows so far, they really enjoy this, they feel like this is what they're supposed to do, and they are pretty good. Let's say you've listened to them and you're like, oh, they're, they, they have a really good sound. Um, what advice would you give them that will help guide them for the next two, three, four years? Well, um, I would say persistence. You know, It really comes down to how bad you want it and, and persistence, you know? Um, uh, you know, and, and, and I would also say kind of alluding to what you're talking about, never, never have someone tell you that, you know what, you need to sound like this, or you know what, you need to write a song like this, because do you think, do you think, um, Led Zeppelin ever had anyone tell them that, or do you think, you know, uh, Kenny Rogers ever had anyone tell him that, who knows, you know, he probably had people tell him that, but they didn't listen Right. right. Yeah. So you know, it's, it's uh, you got to do your own thing. You got to stay true to your heart, and you got to be persistent. The thing that makes it even more difficult nowadays is the fact that, which is different from back in the old days, is that back then they they really could concentrate on just being an artist and and, and the artistic part of it. Nowadays, mm-hmm. you have to think about the business. You have to get on social yeah. media. You have to get out there and interact with people. And you gain things from that as well, but it's mm-hmm. a lot of extra work that takes you away from the creative part of things. But it has—it's it, just a part of it now. It's a—it's a, it's a uh, it, which makes the whole process even more difficult. But anyone, you know, sky's the limit. You can do it. It all depends yep. on how much work you want to put into it. And what's great about that too is, is although technologies, you know, is a good and a, a good and minus uh, out there. Um, we interview. We do a state of the music business podcast we were doing weekly but we haven't done a couple of weeks but we're starting back up again where we bring on executives from the business side of music and our very first one was joe kelly from cdx nashville and i remember mm-hmm. him telling us that he's got friends he, he says there's no reason for someone to say you know what i'm going to a record label he says first off they're not going to take you unless you have a certain base anyway he says there's a, right. with the tools we have today 
there's no reason that you can't get out there, bring in a gross revenue of half a million plus dollars, profit 50, 60, 100,000, whatever it takes you to live, and do it your way. Then when they come to you, now you've got some clout to make the right deal instead of a bad deal. Yep. That is the state of the music business right now. Yep. And that's that's exactly where – that's the world I'm living in right now. And that's my goal mm-hmm. is just, just make it – you've got to make your own statement and, mm-hmm. and create your own world out there with your music and your fan base and your what you're doing. Uh, and then, basically, when it gets to the point to where it's if, – if you're lucky enough to where it gets to the point where you, you just can't keep up with the demand, that's when a label mm-hmm. steps in and takes it that's to the next what level. He, that was his exact – that's what Joe said. He says yeah. – he says he there will always be labels because there's a point in your career where there's no way for you to keep up with it as an independent. Right. He says when you get right. there – that's when a label will do you justice. He says, if you're not yeah. there, a label will screw you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, long gone <laughs> are the days of artist development. You know, where they'll mm-hmm. they'll stand behind an artist for three, maybe four albums of flops, mm-hmm. and then finally <laughs> it hits. Those days are long gone. So you, they're not even going to take you on unless you've already got something going on. So yeah, it's and a they even let go of some of the big artists. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. Bottom line, everything. So we got yeah. like two more questions left. If there was a song, and it and it could be one of yours, it could be some past, whatever, or somebody else's, don't matter. If there was a song that could describe the life you have lived up to this point, what song would that be? Wow, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> man, you stumped me there. I don't know. <laughs> 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 um, you know, I, I mean, that, uh, you, you got me there. I mean, but I can, I, I guess I could, I could say this, this, this one song. Not that I would call this song a, a backdrop to my life or anything. Yeah. But there's one song that's interesting lyrically. Uh, um, bon Jovi talks about. Um, it's one of their early hits. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, what's the name of the song? On, on, on a on a steel horse I ride. You know. Drive all night just to get back home, you know. Um, yeah, that's that that that's the life, huh? That is the life of a musician because you feel so comfortable on stage, mm-hmm. and that's what they're calling home. You drive all night to your next destination just to get back home, which is the stage for that two hours. Um, <laughs> wow! And that I've always I've always thought of, of uh, how how much I can relate to that that line uh, in that song. Mm-hmm. Like I said, not that that song is, you know, I'm, I'm counting that song yeah. is, is the backdrop to my life, but, but I could just yeah. relate to that phrase and that lyric, you know. It's, it's, uh, it's what every musician longs for. That's why, they, that's why they get on the bus and they drive that, you know, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know they drive all that distance just to get, get back to that stage again, you know. Mm-hmm. So is there, you know, as we end this, is there ever a question that you kind of wish people like us would ask but never do? Hmm. Um, I've bu- I've built my show around this question. <laughs> uh, well, that's another good question, man. <laughs> I I don't I don't know that there's I guess there's probably some 
I, maybe it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. But I would love for the average music fan, the average music lover, and especially a lot of the younger kids who are used to streaming and, 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 and mm-hmm. not purchasing music, um, to really understand all the things that go behind creating music. Um, uh, you know, that's it's, why it's, we do it our really show is, right it, there. Yeah, it, it 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 really is. You know, when when a, when a person, no matter what age, or no matter what what background, or what mm-hmm. part of the world they live in, when they when they have a a, a song that they want to record, whether they mm-hmm. take money and go into a studio, or they take their mm-hmm. own money and buy recording equipment and record it in their bedroom, and they sit there and they and they spend hours and hours and weeks and weeks and months mm-hmm. and months mm-hmm. recording the song to their mm-hmm. best ability so that they can somehow at some point put it out there for you to listen to. Yeah. Uh, I I think it would be great for the average music listener to really know how much energy goes into mm-hmm. putting music out, out there for them to listen to. And, and maybe, uh, you know, they wouldn't, Take music as a background, a backdrop, and 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 take it for granted. Sometimes, uh, you know, you know, I, I really, uh, you know, that that was part of the experience of growing up and buying LPs, because mm-hmm. you, I, I for one, love to look at it, feel it, uh-huh. smell it, read it, you know, and, and just take <laughs> it all in, and and the tangible thing that's in my hand, not just uh, something streaming in the airwaves or 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 uh, you know a digital download or something. You know, there's mm-hmm. something to be said about the importance of music, and I think yep. it would behoove a lot of music fans mm-hmm. to really realize the amount of energy that it takes to put music mm-hmm. out there for them to listen to. You know, and, and see when so, we started, I don't know if that answers it, your question, but <laughs> actually it does. And see yeah. when we started the Chris and Sandy show, I was telling Sandy, you know, how can we be different than? Because of course, big artists have all this what I'm talking about, but the up and coming sure. artists don't. And I was like, how, how can we be different? Because, of course, one thing is we're married, so very few married couples are doing what we do. Um, but I, I wanted to be more different than that. And I was like, I got it because I've always loved storytelling. That's, I just love stories. And um, mm-hmm. I was like, you know, I've got it. We can allow the up-and-comer to tell their story. Because I think, uh, like you said, a lot of fans don't realize the sacrifice that goes behind the music. And I want our show to become that platform for the up-and-coming artists to be able to share their story, to be able to share their thoughts, be able to share, even if it's bad thoughts sometimes, be able to share that. They say, mm-hmm. look, you know, we, we go through this. We go through depression just like everybody else. We go through this. We're, we might be on stage and people think we're a god, but we are not. We're human mm-hmm. just like you. And that's what I wanted to make this. I wanted to humanize artists to show people, look, this is why you need to buy music. This is why you need to support mm-hmm. your up-and-coming artists because yeah. there is so much that goes behind the music that you don't know about, and it's harder now than it's ever been. And that's exactly right. <laughs> yep. It, it ain't easy. <laughs> but, you know, again, we all do it. The people yep. who do it for a living do it because we have to. We absolutely love it. There's nothing else that we would, would rather do. It makes us happy. Even with the sacrifices yep. and, and all the hardships, uh, <laughs> it, 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 it just it, it, it fills our soul, you know, so we have to do it. Yep, exactly. So yeah. self-promotion time. Tell everybody how they can reach out to you. 
Yeah, well, uh, please come and visit me uh, um, on social media, Facebook, Jeff Coffee Music on Facebook, um, Jeff Coffee uh, Music on Instagram. Come say hi to me. Uh, please subscribe to my YouTube channel. Uh, it's YouTube forward slash Jeff Coffee. There's all kinds of videos on there of, of uh, videos that we've done for the, the record and, and previous stuff and uh, videos of me with Don Felder in Chicago and all kinds of stuff on there. Um, come visit my website, Jeff Coffee, C-O-F-F-E-Y dot com. And because uh, um, I'm you know, going to be presenting a lot of stuff out there on social media. So <laughs> that is awesome. We loved having you today. Well, yes, thank you very did. much for having me on the show. I appreciate that. And if there's anything we could ever do for you, just let us know because we'll be gladly to help you out in any way we can. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. All right, and we will, and hopefully we can have you back in maybe six months or however, and do some updates since you're releasing new stuff. We'd love to have you back to to talk about that. That'd be great. I would love to. Let's do that. All right, we'll talk to you soon. All right, take care. Right, you too. Hey, bye. Hey, everyone. We hope you really enjoyed the show today. Um, Jeff is a really awesome guy. Um, it, we're so grateful that he came on our show. With, you know, he's been around the music business for so many years. So much great knowledge there. So go look him up. Go find him stuff. Go support everything that he's doing. And tomorrow we'll have another show, as always. See you around two o'clock Eastern time. <laughs>